Well, welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Bible Study. We're in the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. Uh, we're going to go through chapter 3 today. And uh, if you're following along, I have a new international version, NIV Bible. Same. So if you want to get an NIV, it be, might be easier to follow along. If not, no worries. So chapter 3, verse 1. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So a lot of uh even early in the Gospel of Mark, we see the conflict yeah. uh, between Jesus and the religious leaders. <clears throat> and even in Jerusalem. those first two words, right? Another time. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it already happened. You remember last week when we were going over chapter 2. Oh, yeah, you don't remember that. You weren't here Yeah, no, week, I enjoyed watching that. <laughs> yeah, last week when we went over chapter 2, the same thing. You know, you can still see the Pharisees coming after Jesus so much over and over again and then even in this episode they're actually standing there waiting for it to happen right they're actually following jesus waiting for him to actually do a miracle so that they can then be upset about it mm-hmm. uh, even in the wording that's used is so unique it talks about uh that they said you know would he do this miracle not could he they legitimately know that Jesus has the power. They even believe that he can do it. This is no surprise. Right. This guy has this bad hand. It is shriveled up. Who knows if it's from birth, it sounds like, potentially. And they're just waiting for him to be able to. It's not like, I mean, I wonder if he can do this. No, Jesus does this all the time. He yeah. does people Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Let's see if he does it today. But if he does Sabbath. it on the Sabbath, that's what they're going to be upset about. Because the ruling would have been, ruling or law would have been, that you can't assist somebody on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. even if they are sickly, unless uh, it would be to the detriment of their life. If somebody is going to be in a circumstance in which they cannot live, then it would have been okay to potentially be able to help this individual. But this uh, uh, deformity, if you will, that this man has, it isn't life-threatening. He's probably had yeah. it for a while. And so, again, they're just waiting to be able to, on another time, catch Jesus in this trap of breaking this man-made law so that they can then go over him. They don't care if he's God, if he's representing God. They just care that he's doing something they don't appreciate. Right. And it brings us back again to what is the purpose of the Sabbath Mm. in the first place, that obviously they had lost complete focus. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the purpose of the Sabbath was to point toward the rest that was going to be given through the Messiah. And now that Jesus is here, well, you don't have to focus on the picture anymore. You've got the real thing mm-hmm. right in front of you, the mm-hmm. Lord of the Sabbath. That's a good way to put it. And, um, uh, well, and another little note in this section, I really like that 
Jesus was angry at them. Hmm. Jesus got angry. I don't know. When I get angry, sometimes I feel like I'm sinning just by being angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus was so frustrated at these religious leaders who should have known the Old Testament, the, the, the purpose of the law and the prophets, the purpose of the Sabbath, uh, not to trip people up and try to find ways to make it harder to please God, yeah. harder to get to heaven. Yeah. But the Sabbath was given so that man could eat easier. What's the word I'm looking for? More, more easily. easily. Yeah. More easily follow God's commands, please yeah. God, get to heaven. It was the rest, you know, for our own body, mind, and soul, uh, which now we have in, in Jesus. We find our rest in Jesus every day of the week now. Yeah, I even heard you mention this in uh, a couple sermons before, that God doesn't create eternity or forgiveness or heaven, and he's not trying to stop people from getting in. He's The, the gates are open, you know. He tries to make yeah. it easy for people to be able to do this. And again, that's where you see Jesus' anger there. Yeah, he knows their thoughts at the beginning. So he says, okay, buddy, stand up. And then he asks this question before he goes, okay, what's right? Did you do good or evil? And they're silent. Yeah, nobody will say anything. And then he looks at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He is just so frustrated with these guys. I like that. I like that Jesus <laughs> got angry. It's this righteous anger Indeed. that he has, I guess, right? Righteous. Uh, so there's a maybe... It's the lesson, right? Uh, our emotions are natural. You know, emotions aren't good or bad. Hmm. That's just kind of a human experience. And Christ in the flesh, and as a human, is, is experiencing all of the human emotions that we've experienced. You know, the difference between a, a child or even an adolescent, really, is a, uh, versus an adult, let's say a mature person, is you know, the child, is the emotions are going to control the, the person versus... The person controlling our emotions. So, yeah, we get angry, but how do we respond to that? That's what matters. You can sin in anger for sure, mm-hmm. but you also cannot. You cannot do that. Yeah, you can Being in control, control like you the said. emotion. And interesting, there at the end, you know, it talks about in the very beginning that first verse. Another time that they're going there to be able to try to, you know, follow him. And in the end there, it talks about, so then they begin to plot after this happens. And it's these two groups of people, the Pharisees and the Herodians, coming together to be able to do this. Groups of people who would not normally have oh, united yes. together in any way. They don't see eye to eye. Oh, there's, that's a great point, yeah. No, the, so the Pharisees are, they are uh, Jews of Jews. I mean, they're just, they are, this is, we are all Jew, 100% Jew. We can't stand the Romans. The Herodians are Jews that are sellouts. They are yeah, puppet, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, they're puppet leaders of the Romans, who are saying, "Yeah, we can put uh, someone who's not uh, of the descendant of uh, David, kind of on the throne, be the political leader over mm-hmm. Israel." Yeah, mm-hmm. we're cool with that. And the Pharisees would have been like, "Oh, this would have been like really the Republicans and Democrats during the 2020 election hmm. coming together all, all of a sudden, sudden yep. saying, "Hey, I tell you what." Yep. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to go any further with that. That's <laughs> kind of... Okay, anyway. But this is what happens, right? These they found a common enemy. People, they do. They come that together. So... And why, what, why is this enemy common? Only because these two groups of people foresee that in a very short amount of time, if Jesus keeps rising in popularity as what's occurring now and will occur, we'll see yeah. in the future, 
it's going to actually hurt them mainly politically and they're going to stop losing ground with the people and with their positions and so because it hurts them they are now going after christ that's yeah. that's all there is to it yeah meanwhile the the common folk Oh, yeah. You want to read the next section? Yeah, I got it. Verse 7. See how the masses are taking The people, Jesus. though, it says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, and the regions across the Jordan around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the, crowd, to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed, healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Yeah, so again, that contrast, right? You've got these spiritual and political leaders very upset. They're already, they're already Mark chapter 3, plotting uh, to how to kill Jesus. Versus immediately we, we, we see the, the masses of the people mm -hmm. extremely popular. <clears throat> Why wouldn't he be? I mean, he's healing people. Yeah. He's teaching incredible wisdom. It's just I mean, think about mobs how, of people. It really is that mob, right? It's just these people are pushing toward him. They literally just want to be able to touch him. We hear about that in some other stories, especially, you know, with the woman who's bleeding and she just wants to touch his cloak. Yeah. But in this instance, it's the same thing. We may not think about that. People are just coming forward, and they really want to just be able to have their small piece of Jesus to be able to receive that healing. And it's not just the people, I guess, that have physical healing, right? It's interesting, This that final note, the evil spirits that see him also fall mm. down before him and right. cry out. It's not just the people who right. recognize him as being God. These evil spirits that are there too also recognize there's something different about right. this individual and even call out that he is the son of God. Funny in this context, everybody sees Jesus as being extraordinary. A healer. Yeah, extraordinary. Uh, yeah, he can do something. None of them are denying it. Right. But there are none of them, and this is, I mentioned this in, in chapter one, uh, it's not until the centurion hmm. standing at the foot of the cross. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, he's the first human in the Gospel of Mark to declare truly this was the Son of God. We hear it spoken by demons Hard several over yeah. and over again. But you see the political leaders and the religious leaders, they see that he's extraordinary. Yeah. Like you said, they weren't they knew he could do the miracle. Yeah. It's like will he do it? But they don't they cannot connect it to him being God. Even the mobs of people, the just huge popularity uh, crowd. This is hard to describe how many people uh, were coming from far away just to see Jesus, hear him, touch him. Uh, but they're still not quite getting it yet. Yeah. But it's the beginning of the ministry, so that's true. And we'll see some here. And even even Jesus is telling these people not to not to say who he is at this time, yeah. right? There's still this. Uh, he's not speaking necessarily plainly as we hear uh, yeah. sometimes within texts. Exactly. But the next section here, we do see a little bit of that shift where yep. Jesus is going to try to get more of the word, the truth, out there. And so he, he wants some help doing that. So verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, designating them apostles, 
that they might be with him and that they uh, that he might send them out to preach to have authority to drive out demons these are the 12 he appointed so it's simon to whom he gave the name peter we know peter james the son of zebedee and his brother john to them he gave the name bonergis which means the sons of thunder mm-hmm. um, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, we know Doubting Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, another one, Thaddeus, another Simon, this is Simon the Zealot, and then Judas Iscariot, who, uh, when Mark wrote the gospel, we know now, betrayed him. So uh, so the big shift here now, uh, he's got all these disciples, and there's some that are with him more, more devoted or whatever, and there's the mobs mm-hmm. that are following. But whatever, Jesus sits down and he calls those that he wants to be those 12. And from disciples, learners, followers, he calls them apostles. Mm. Which means, and it says right here, uh, that he might send them out to preach. So Mm. that word apostle, apostolos in the Greek, it means sent ones, those who are sent. And it was used very commonly, the Greek word there for an ambassador ambassador, uh, someone who would be an ab- ambassador for a, a king or, or a nation would represent that, even the authority uh, to whoever they, they spoke to or shared the message with. It was directly from the king if the ambassador spoke those words. So a big shift, right, from disciples, followers, learners, uh, to these 12 are going to be apostles. Now they're going to go out. They've been with Jesus. They've learned. And we're always disciples too but now they're also additionally uh, sent out to start sharing that message hey jesus is the messiah jesus is the son of god then that's a big shift i think uh you know we we need to make as well and when i kind of read through this earlier i was thinking about confirmation oh yeah and what a uh it's so hard, this perception that uh, so many people have, I would say Lutherans, Catholics too. Everybody. Yeah, everybody has a confirmation yeah. of being yeah. like this. It's kind of the end of the culmination, the graduation. Okay, there you go. Yeah. You've, you're, Check it off. You're set. Done. Yeah. But what confirmation really is, in my mind, is this moment of shifting between, okay, you've been a learner, yeah. you've been a student, and now you're going to be an apostle. Now you're sent out on this mission mm-hmm, of love mm-hmm. uh, to share this good news in word and deed, the love and the peace of God, the forgiveness of God. It's uh, now you're a missionary. Uh, you're an ambassador for Christ. It's a good way to put it, that we are these disciples, these apostles to be able to go out and do that. And we're always learners, right? Yep. We're oh, yeah. No, no, that's constant. That is constant. Uh, but I and I don't know if maybe confirmation is arbitrary, but well, that's just kind it's of just a, a piece of it. I think that's that's yeah. one realm to be able to say that. Not that you can't share Christ before right. that or your apostle before that, but it is a good point. I'm mean, gonna say the same thing with people in you know, baptism is probably one of those points, especially for people who are baptized in the as an adult, you know, maybe there's this mm-hmm. change that's happening there. And uh, but like you said, re- recognizing that uh, our spiritual continuum is cyclical. It's not this linear line that you just have these points that we're just getting done with. It's constantly being that learner, constantly growing in our faith. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next section here, verse 20. So before we, we start this, I had mentioned to you just even a moment ago, this is something I get 
excited about because I had a discussion with somebody about this one time and it was years ago but I can really remember it so in the book of Mark there are quite a few places in which Mark creates these theological sandwiches <laughs> in which he's going along and he begins telling a story and then he stops and begins telling a totally different story and then after he finishes that, he comes back to finish the story with the conclusion, the one he started. Yeah. So to put it maybe uh, in a literary fashion, he begins with story A, he interrupts it and places in story B, and then he comes around to story A again. Wrap it up. Yeah, he has this sandwich. So think about it as like two pieces of bread with literally the meat in between. And I think if you look at most of these, and I think there might be like nine of them in the book of Mark, this will be our first one. Uh, there really is a lot of the theological significance or meat within that that middle. So today, as we read through this, I think I'm actually just going to read uh, the first couple pieces. We'll hit the bread, and then we'll look at the meat, and then go back to the, the bread again. So the first piece of bread is just literally these, these first two verses. A here. gospel sandwich. A gospel sandwich. That's exactly what it is. Time, do you think, time do you, to eat. Do you ever not think about food? No. You're always no, thinking it's about all, food. It, it is true. Every it's analogy. True. Yeah. No. So here it is. The uh, first two verses. The first piece of bread. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even <laughs> able to eat. See, it's there. Yes. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. So again, it's crowded. Yeah. Everything's going crazy. They're super busy. So busy that literally even the stuff that they have, they haven't even had time to eat. And in this moment, his own family now, we talked about the Pharisees and Herodians. We talked about the demons. Uh, we talked about the crowd. Nobody necessarily is recognizing him as being God. Even in this moment, his own family decides they are going to take charge of him. Yeah, that's a big thing, right? So think about what that means to you are so worried about a family member that you're going to go to a judge and get authority mm. to make mm. financial decisions, health decisions. And this is going on, you know, the right now the big, at least popular uh, news is uh, Britney Spears oh. fighting her conservatorship that her mm. father has over her yeah. for whatever reasons. Yeah. I don't know what her story was, but um, and now she's fighting to try to get her rights back. Yeah. Because I guess at one point a judge agreed yeah. she's not, she doesn't have the capacity to whatever it was, take care of it. And uh, so they're actually so concerned about Jesus. His family is so convinced that he's nuts. They think he's crazy. Yeah. That they are trying to get conservatorship. Yeah, it's a good way to put take it. Charge over him. Yeah, they would say he is out of his mind. Yeah. So the, the now his family's there. They're on the way to get him. So again, hold on. Yeah, I just what? I can't interrupt you, but <laughs> this just keeps going on, right? The the, the Pharisees, yeah. the Herodians, the crowds, the mobs of people. Now his own family. They recognize, man, this guy's incredible. He's yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Extraordinary. He does miracles. So many he can't even eat. But still, something's wrong. He's uh, Beelzebub. He's a uh, pop culture hero. And he's a lunatic. Yep. Those are the, and his family's the, you know, they say he's a lunatic. All right. 
Let's finish your sandwich. That's the first piece of bread. We're moving on to the we're moving Complete. on to the meat here. So that's what I mean. Mark is a very jumpy, jerky, he fast paced. So we're gonna shift gears right here. Yep. So he's gonna Completely he's gonna different. interrupt himself in the middle of this literary work, and he moves on to something different. So all of a sudden he says, "And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons." So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. So this is the meat of our sandwich. What are you the say? Above. Yeah, 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 There it is. Yeah. Talk about it. Yeah, the Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Yeah, dung. He's, he's the he's the worst, right? Right. The worst of worst of the worst. Yeah, the Lord of the Flies. That's Beelzebub. And where do flies gather? Around dung. Yeah. So I won't literally translate it for you, but <laughs> I think you went far enough. That's good. You can figure it out. <laughs> and so he, they, they're comparing him to Satan, right? Yep. And so Jesus, I like this because they make these accusations against him, and he actually says, let's talk about these things, right? You, you want to do that? It actually says that he calls them together and wants to be able to, you know, address mm -hmm. this. He speaks to them with this parable. You know, how can this house be divided? How can Satan drive out Satan? My favorite part of the parable is the strong man piece. Uh, he says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off the possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Now, I wonder in this moment, if the Pharisees or teachers of the law are thinking that Jesus is referring to himself, that, oh, you are this strong man, you are this individual, when in reality, Jesus is actually referring to him coming up and tying up Satan. Mm -hmm. Jesus is describing Satan as being the strong man, as being one that needs to be put down before you can get that which he is trying to take hold of. Uh, which he possesses. And I think that's very uh, telling for us when we maybe sometimes discard the power of Satan or of evil or maybe yeah. don't think about how much of a pull it really has on us, how much it can truly possess us to be able to go after us. And Jesus says, you know, this is the reason why he came, to be able to tie up that strong man so that he can take back what is actually rightfully his, basically you and I, you know, our souls. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point for that parable. It does get confusing. Um, so, yeah, he makes the point. Obviously, house divided against itself can't stand. That's pretty obvious. But then he says, yeah, this strong man, this the, the devil, right, who's had so much power over these people, possessing people, sick, withered hands, diseases, he says, you see me casting them out. You see me healing people. 
I have to be in order to, so it's not Satan. It doesn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense for him no. to fight against himself. Yeah. So it means I am stronger than this strong man yep. that's been intimidating you or hurting you. And then he brings up that concept of uh, blasphemy then, right? Because he's pointing to them, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Because they are saying, you know, Jesus is Satan. They're, they're denying uh, that his power comes from the Holy Spirit. And that really is that eternal sin, right? Denying who the Holy Spirit uh, shows us who God is. You know, mm-hmm. denying that Christ is the Savior of our life. That is the one and only eternal sin, as Jesus mentions. And he says that again because they say that uh, he has this evil spirit in him. Even though that he's only doing good things, right? He's only fighting against Satan. And he says, you know, your, uh, your, your concepts... They don't make any sense. But I think this goes to show you that sometimes in our world, and it is hard to argue against somebody who just already has their mind made up about anything. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people don't want to think logically about an argument. They don't want to discuss it. They don't want to have themselves questioned. It's just what it is in their own mind. And if that can help happen to us with just you know random issues in our world, right? Politics. Uh, yeah. Look, at, look how it happens with Jesus. I mean, yeah. it happens with Jesus over the most important thing in our world. Even when he is showing them <laughs> these these miraculous things, it doesn't matter. So sometimes you know, uh, it's just difficult for us to be able to fight that strong man. You know, mm-hmm. we really do need the Holy Spirit. We really do need Christ, or we are lost to Satan. You know, we don't we don't have the ability to be able to overcome him on our own by any means. Right. You know, I always get questions about the unforgivable sin, mm. blasphemy yep. against the Holy Spirit, and not to get deep, deep, deep into it. I, I think people are going to have questions about it. I think I, you should mention something. I just think very simply, uh, if you are concerned or if you're worried that maybe at some point you had committed the unforgivable sin that frightens you, then you haven't committed that sin yet. Because you're still fearing, loving, and trusting in God above all things. You yep. you still recognize your sins and your need for a Savior. Um, and you have a repentant heart if you're afraid that you may have committed that sin. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very uh, uh, intentional, I'm trying to think of the, the a bigger word, but it was something the Pharisees here were obviously very much in danger of doing. Uh, exactly what you were saying. They were... Uh, attributing to Satan the works of Christ, the works the Holy Spirit was doing through Christ to heal, to to teach God's word, to you know uh, cast out evil spirits. Uh, they were attributing that to Satan when they said, mm-hmm. "He's he's son of Beelzebub." <clears throat> that's the that's the great danger. So. Basically, I always say, if you're afraid you committed the unforgivable sin, you haven't you haven't done it. That's probably pretty good advice, I think. Yes, uh, that, that just. Yeah, we could teach a whole class just on that, but that's the gist of it, I would say. And so then we wrap up. Uh, we got that open face sandwich, and this piece of bread now comes right back on, on top here. So we have, remember, uh, Jesus, uh, his family thinks he is out of his mind. That's where he left off that last piece of bread. So all of a sudden, Mark's, again, literary uh, work here comes back to that first original story. Verse 31. It says, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers, he asked. 
Then he looked at those seated and circled around him and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Yeah. And kind of a simplistic point, I guess, that Jesus finishes here on, but one that's so important for us, right? Um, really pushing us toward that family of God that, I mean, there are a lot of things that are important in our life, especially our families. You know, the relationship that you have with your mother or your siblings or your spouse or your kids, but even above all of those things is the relationship that we have with Christ. I mean, that is first and foremost. Uh, I think I'm a pretty decent husband for sure, and there's a lot of things that I try to do for my wife to be able to, to lift her up or to be able to serve her. And sometimes I probably should ask my question, uh, you know, do I think that way about God too? I mean, making sure that I do the same thing, you know, as I go about my day, hey, is there something special I can do for my Lord today? Or, you know, I remember when my wife did this for me, how can I repay her? The same thing for God. Man, think about the things that God has done for me. What are the things I can do to be able to not repay him today, but to be able to show my love for him in a lot of different ways. And so Jesus points us to this all-important relationship over and above all things. Yeah, I think who who are those people today that are members of Jesus's family? Mm-hmm. Same answer, those who do his will, right? Those who have their faith in Christ, those who trust in him, fear, love, and trust above all things. Um, they are the family of Jesus. And that's why we we say, not just kind of flippantly, but uh, very sincerely, if we greet you or on a Sunday morning, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, um, brothers and sisters, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, through th- uh, thicker than blood, uh, you know, siblings, uh, with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit uh, drawing us close. And thank you to all our people who do all those things, you know. Uh, I think about, you know, we have a member who installed, you know, new lights for us in uh, the worship center not too long ago. We have a member that installed sunscreens for us. Uh, We had a member the other day that made preschool benches for uh, all the kids in the preschool uh, so they could wash their hands better. Uh, We have people who are planting Easter baskets for the kids today. We have people that were here uh, this morning talking about altar guild and how right. to be able to serve Prepare for worship in that services. way. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we can just go on. We had people greeting people and seating people. Musicians, uh, this singers. Week. Yeah. I had somebody get, ask me for a screwdriver on Sunday morning because they wanted yeah. to fix the threshold. That's right. One of our ushers before people walked in so nobody tripped that day. I mean, I could go on for, that was just this week, all those yeah. things that, that are that are occurring here. Uh, so thank you to all of you who do serve as, you know, our brothers and sisters, as Pastor Mark mentioned, and, you know, more encouragement for us to do that, not just here at church, but just in our own lives too. Yep. That's a great note to end on. I did want to say one more thing, just to... <laughs> hate Please to do. The top. Please do. <laughs> that was a perfect note to end on, though. But... Uh, no, just going back to this kind of this bigger sandwich, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Little, a few slices back where okay. Jesus was angry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he goes through all of this. Uh, his family comes, the ch- you know, church leaders come again. He tries to teach them. He, and I just see this incredible, incredible amount of patience mm-hmm. with all of these people and their confusion and their misunderstanding or even in their, you know, intentional, mm-hmm. you know, uh, opposition to him. 
uh, he's just got this incredible patience that, uh, I, you know, obviously, I guess it helps to be God and see the future, but even as a human, uh, to just be able to say, you know what, this is all going to play out. You know, this, the mobs of people uh, someday are going to under, you know, see the full, you know, death and resurrection and uh, the preaching of Paul and how clear it is, you know, this was the, this was the way to salvation. This is the plan all along. Mm. Um, he's just got such great patience with, with the people here as they don't understand, um, even though it does make him angry a little bit. Yep, but again, always telling us the truth, right? That's how he comes out there in verse 28. Hey, I tell you the truth. And that's something we never have to worry about with our Lord. He's never hiding anything from us. He's never trying to point us towards something different, never trying to pull the wool over our eyes, always saying, I tell you the truth. And what that truth is, is I'm doing these things for you and for your benefit. So may we share that again with the brothers and sisters who are around us. Good. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Yep. Why don't I close for us just a brief prayer and we'll go from there. Uh, Dear Lord, again, thank you for this time that we have of being able to dig into your word. And uh, truly, may we think about that sandwich illustration of being able to uh, consume that which you have given to us and be fed by it uh, so that we may be able to be strengthened and to be able to go out in the world and be able to serve you. Uh, And so, Lord, continue to be that guiding light in our lives as we know the truth that you have given to us and know that truth does truly set us free. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. See ya.